Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And thank you much for, thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man. Appreciate that nice intro. Welcome indeed to the TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic, big dog and a coach at your service. Right up until 11 o'clock, talking sports and more. David Olson, producer extraordinaire on the other side of the glass. Plenty coming at you today. We will, of course, uh, a Tuesday tradition here, the two guys in a mic show. A little residue Tuesday. Plenty to talk about from the weekend particularly football, but some other news and notes, and we'll get to those uh, as well. The residue, of course, the material that we did not get to yesterday. So the drippage, the leakage, the sleekage, the residue, if you will, thank you very much, of uh, the weekend activities. We'll pick it up on today and then starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow, as our tradition is here, the big dog and the coach look ahead. Because as uh, the great coach Mike Ditka from the Chicago Bears said, the big dog, what's his expression? The pass is for cowards and losers. I believe those are the words of Mike Ditka. He's got plenty of them, and I wasn't sure which one you were going for. But, yeah, that's <laughs> the, the pass is for cowards and losers. Okay. So, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a bunch that he has. And I, I was right about the say one, and then you said that one, and it, it busted into my head. But, all right. but on Tuesdays, we're still allowed to look into the past because it is Residue Tuesday. Get it all out today from the weekend that happened, and then starting tomorrow, we forge ahead, we look ahead, and uh, – We'll try to figure out if the Bears can beat Seattle, and more importantly, we'll try to solve the economic and world problems starting tomorrow. You, you, Dick has a bunch of great sayings, like, uh, you know, this too shall pass was one of them, and something bad happens to you, and it's, it's simple, but it's right. Mm-hmm. He said one this Sunday that I've heard him say before, and I he says it so fast that, that I can't get it. But it goes something like, uh, the past is the past, and it was a gift, but focus on right now because it's a present. Uh, for stuff like that, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's, a, it's so, it's worded so well, and you know how, like, Mike Dick starts really talking really fast, and then he doesn't finish his sentence. Then he says it like that, I'm like, Mike, you just said something real <laughs> profound, slow up, you know, so yeah. Yeah, They're not quite as prophetic as, a, you know, Winston Churchill or some of the uh, the past greats, even our, our favorite guy in the world of sports for Quotes and a little mini philosophies, of course, is Johnny Wooden. I think both you and me are like that. But Mike Ditka, in his own right, does some solid philosophy. By the way, the one that says uh, we shall rise again, that's not related to football. I believe that was part of his erectile dysfunction commercials. So don't get those two confused. I, I cannot I, I cannot believe you just said that because about a week ago, uh, one of my <laughs> uncles is about 100 years old. Uh-oh said to me that his his uh, his new wife nicknamed his penis the South because it will rise again. <laughs> Take I'm it easy. I, you, you brought it up. I just I cannot believe that I heard that same joke in a different reference within a ten day period. <laughs> well, uh, let's hope they say bad things. Bad things come in three. Let's hope you don't hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard that joke before. I'm like that's horrible. Oh that goodness. Horrible. The South yeah. shall rise again. I don't think I'll ever look at the Civil War and the Confederacy the same way. Well, shouldn't. Yeah, that's a heck of a Definitely. way to start the show. All right, thank you very much, Big Dog. Uh, welcome, my friend. Hope you had a good day yesterday. Got plenty to so, talk about. What happened? Something happened yesterday? Uh, I, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Uh, could you just be like 97% honest and leave out the other 3% that we probably don't want to hear? 
No, no, you're exactly right. I'm probably only about 80% honest with you. That, that works. Uh, yeah. I got so drunk after the Bears lost to Tim Tebow on Sunday. And my friends, we were so distraught that I, I was hungover all day. I did nothing. I was like, I, it was probably the least amount accomplished for me in a day yesterday in a year. Wow. There's a lot of yeah, contenders for that, by the way. I got totally T-bowed yesterday, Coach. Really? Yeah, I got T-bowed. I'm surprised you took it that way because, uh, you know, I think I could, David Olson, you sort of had the same reaction as me. Disappointed that the Bears lost, but I, I feel bad in saying it, but I almost, at the end of the game, I wanted the Bears to win, but I was almost hoping for Tebow to make the great comeback and make it interesting. There was part of me that was not disappointed. It's a terrible thing to say. Yeah, you, you're, you're like a Jew for Jesus, right? Aren't you, coach? Uh, not you're recently, no. Okay, just wondering. I wasn't sure. I was, I'm just kidding around about the whole, <laughs> uh, religious thing. It's just, sometimes when he plays into the fact that God is the reason why all this has happened, that I'm just like, maybe it is. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, nobody can explain it, yet the guy comes and does the most amazing stuff I've ever seen when he can't do anything right for the first 90% of the game. Mm-hmm. And then the last 10%, when you're, Wrapping it up and describing what happened. Oh, and by the way, yeah, Tim Tebow sucks, but yeah, he won the game. Here you go again. What? He did what? He did what again? If, the, if there isn't a bumper sticker in Denver, there should be one now, and it should say, the Lord works in mysterious ways, dot, 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 and so does the Denver offense. Ain't that the truth. You, you know what they need to do is get, like, Vince Young or Seneca Wallace as their backup. Seneca and just be like, Wallace. You know what? <laughs> you know what we're going to do? We're going to run the ball, and we're going to play action. And when we throw the ball 20 times a game, we're expecting touchdowns every time we throw the ball. Cause, you know what I mean? That's, why not? Just because just say Tim Tebow gets hurt. Then what's that we're going to do? they got to go back to uh, the West Coast style, you know, throwing mm-hmm. it jumping off to the running backs and stuff. So yeah, Let me remind everybody, and I don't think everybody needs reminding, but just in case everybody needs reminding, I will remind everybody. Hello, everybody. I'm going to remind you that uh, the <laughs> – that Tim Tebow's comeback, and, and all, they still scored how many points? 13? Yeah. Right? 13 points wins. I don't know what the percentage is. Probably 15% of NFL games. Let us also remember, in addition to Tim Tebow, that the Denver Broncos have a heck of a defense, and that's been a big part of winning seven of their last eight games. They held the Bears to 10 points. That's a big part of the story as well. You, you know, you're exactly right, Coach. And, and, you know, and I was totally sick of the Tim Tebow story. I really was. I was like, come on, guys. He's not playing all that well. He keeps, I, I couldn't explain it. It's just luck, luck, luck. Now what happens to the Bears, I watched the whole game, and now I, I guess I've been drawn and sucked in, too, where I'm just like, I just cannot believe this is actually happening <laughs> in sports. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's not as like Greg Max, but like you would watch Greg Maddox throw 86 miles an hour, and the pitcher he was going against would be throwing 99 at the beginning of the game, and then that same pitcher leaves in the third inning, trailing 7 to nothing. And Greg Maddox throws eight innings and gives up one run. And, and you're like, how the heck does Greg Maddox get everybody out? It, it's not along the same lines, but it's kind of similar to that, where sometimes it's just beyond the easy thing to explain in the world. Yeah, that's part of the beauty of sports. We see those things on a uh, semi-regular basis in the world of sports, i.e. Indiana hit a three-point shot to beat Kentucky and all the uh, many, many other upsets, including uh, – what did the Seattle Seahawks beat about three or four weeks ago that, you know, just shocked everybody? Cause at that point, the Seahawks were, and I mentioned Seattle cause they're, of course, the next opponent of the Chicago Bears and they won again last night, but they upset somebody about four weeks ago when they were, you yeah, know. They beat, they, they beat the Ravens at home. Yeah, that uh, was it. And it, I, I picked that game. I thought, I thought Seattle was going to win. I think the biggest upset in the NFL this year is 
St. Louis beating New Orleans? And I know it was on the road, but they play in the dome. That's perfect for New Orleans. Right now, I look back and I'm like, you know, how can New Orleans lose to the Rams? Yeah. It's kind of like Oklahoma State losing to Iowa State, where you're like, you really can't think they're that great just because they had such a bottom. Yeah, or Oklahoma uh, getting knocked off by Texas Tech. But we've said it before, and again, our phone lines are open, folks. You want to chime in on conversation, feel free to do so. Love to hear from you. 888 463 Again, 888-463-6748. David Olson, late-breaking news? They also beat the Giants. I can't hear you. They also beat the Giants. Seattle did. Seattle did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's so they're right. beating in, all yeah, the good in teams. In New York. In New York, that was the big. That's that was huge. That was the biggest yeah, part. But, but but big dog, what I was uh, attempting to say before putting out our phone number uh, and again eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. There are no upsets so much in regular season NFL football this year, unless you're talking the Indianapolis Colts, yeah, or the yeah. Green Bay Packers. Pretty much everybody in that vast in between. Uh, you can't. You certainly can't call anything a major upset in the NFL. I'd, I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree. So the thirty first team, the Rams. Yep. Beat the Steelers or the Patriots? It's not not major. It, 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 would, it would we would talk about it. It would be yeah. left out the yet. But if the Colts win a game this year, I, <laughs> I cannot believe this is happening, Coach. In two thousand and nine, this is two thousand and eleven, right? I'm not getting this wrong. In two thousand and nine, the Colts were fourteen and zero, and they were leading in their fifteenth wow. game, and Caldwell pulled the starters. Manning got all upset, and the deluge happened because you pulled Peyton Manning out of the game. Well, they, they gave up like 40 points. Think about what that is. This is two years later. Peyton Manning is, is – I've, I've been saying it for years. Peyton Manning is the greatest football player I have ever seen, and I'm including Walter Peyton in that who's the second greatest football player I've ever seen. Uh, this is, it's dumbfounding. What we're, and you're exactly right. They're not beating anybody, Coach. They are, it's, when you watch the game, I kind of feel sorry – for some of the veterans on that team. And they're just like, what the heck just happened? I've watched very, very little Indianapolis Colt football. Are they yeah, it's still playing, or are they, like, they kind of packed it in for Coach uh, Jim Caldwell? Yeah, it, it's funny you say that. It, it's it's Because, uh, you know, when they're showing the first half against the Ravens, they come out all fired up. You can tell they're into it. Mm-hmm. Next, you know, it's 17-3. And it was like, you could tell the sidelines, they were like, oh, here we go again. Later on in the game, they got a little bit of momentum, and they were showing some pep in the step, and then they just I, – I, I don't know. You know, you're getting a paycheck. You've got three games left, okay? And if you think – just think about this. If you're getting the average pay in the league, you get $100,000 a game. You're going to get paid $300,000. If you pack it in the rest of the season, you don't deserve to ever play football again the rest of your life. I don't – you should have one thing in mind is figure out a way to get a win over your next three weeks. League, league average is $100,000 a game, Coach. It's not bad. No, there it's could, not. There could it? be worse things than being 0-13 and still part of a uh, NFL football team. Uh-huh. Do we have a, a record, Big Doe? You are a master of uh, statistics and minutia on uh, NFL trivia. Last time, or has it ever happened that a team went 0 for 16? Uh, you, you, you're not really asking me that question, are you, Coach? I think I am. Detroit Lions a couple years ago. Ah, uh, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was okay. – and, and, and I swear to you that 2008 Lions, just to rub it in, to make that 0-16 even worse, there was probably three or four worst teams in the league that year. I'm not kidding, Coach. They would blow games at the end. It was just like it was hilarious. Uh, the Rams, I swear to you, the 08 Rams, if the – if the Lions play them and 
in an in an exhibition game, they would win fifty to nothing. And if they played them in a game that counted, they would lose nineteen to eighteen. Oh goodness! So, yeah. Well, the Detroit Lions are making a comeback, and they're the team uh, the Bears have to knock off. I'm so worried about. I don't know why I got Detroit and the Lions on my mind, Big Dog. I don't know if it's the wild card thing. Maybe it's the fact they come back. Had a bad dream again last night. Woke Uh-oh. up at about three o'clock in the morning. Looked over at my wife. Uh huh. Are you sitting down? No, I'm not. I'm going to know. Okay, you might want to sit down. Looked over my wife about 3 o'clock in the morning and just looked a little bit like ex-Detroit Lions coach Wayne Fonts. Oh, my. It was was not a good night. Did she have the stogie in her mouth? (laughs) Unfortunately not. That might have (laughs) helped. I don't know, Coach. That might have helped. You know, you mentioned, I don't know how we got into it here, but little NFL musings and news and notes, titillating tidbits here. Uh, In your brief anti-tirade, you had mentioned, uh, just kind of in passing, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it occurred yeah. to me, because I was driving home a kid yesterday who was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, that, you know, they're 10-3. and three. And, and not that I'm totally into the world of NFL, and I don't watch ESPN all the time, but it seems like there is very little conversation. This has been a quiet year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nothing dramatic has happened. Roethlisberger's injuries and stuff. You don't hear about them, but there they are at 10-3. and three. Is it just me, or is it a strangely quiet season for a really good football team? It's a, it's a strangely quiet season for the simple fact that they've been destroyed by the Ravens twice. And if most likely they're going to be going through a wild card. So they could end up being the second-best team in the NFL, and they could have a fifth seed in the AFC. Interesting. It just, I mean, it's, it's a really good chance that could happen. A really good chance that could happen. And, uh, but I, I will say this. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't put up numbers, Coach, but when you watch him just quarterback, I mean, that guy can just flat out play the game of football. Yep. Yep. And, and right now, broken thumbs, broken the, the, what, the whole thing with the leg right now, which I'm not even sure what's going on, but all I know is when I saw it happen to him, I'm like, oh, no, Charlie Batch has to play the rest of the year. And the guy comes back out 20 minutes later and throwing the ball around the field. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger is as good as it gets. If you want to be like – you know, sometimes your player in a position doesn't give you everything you want, Coach, but if they give you just toughness and playing smart, that's mm-hmm. good enough. And that's basically what he does for you. And I think an answer to your earlier inquiry on Ben Roethlisberger and the uh, the knee, the hamstring, and everything, it goes back to your theory. I think it's you, not Mike Ditka, and that is women, weak in legs. This is true, I, Coach. I think... And let's face it, that guy is one guy that's got a definitely – when he starts drinking, have somebody like have two security guards around him at all times, yes. and they're not protecting him from other people; they're protecting him from himself. Yeah. He like needs he needs to have people when he goes out on the town. No You're question right. about it. I mean, yes, yeah, that happens yeah. way too often that he gets stupid. And next thing you know, uh, Roethlisberger is getting whipped out. Yeah. By the way, quick note: of uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, analyzing the Bears game, all the different things and stuff. For the third consecutive week, uh, Big Dog, we have a missing person in the city of Chicago. I believe his name is Earl Bennett, wide receiver, who came back from injury for a couple of games, and he looked like a first-team All-Pro. That and all of a sudden, the last three weeks, I mean, Earl Bennett is playing, isn't he? Uh, don't forget that there was a uh, an $18 million contract signed by Earl Bennett. Since then, has he caught a pass? Maybe There's one. But a pass since he signed that contract. Zero passes. In three. I, what? Well, in, in his defense, and I don't know if he's not getting open or what, but but 
you know, you can't catch a pass if it's not thrown to you. I don't recall even seeing Earl Bennett in my TV screen. I, 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 I haven't really either, Coach. I, I think they threw a ball a couple weeks ago. I know in the Denver game, I don't think he had a ball thrown to him. It's really odd so, because, and I know he, you know, he and Cutler had the good connection together, and it seems like Caleb and Johnny Knox, and I understand some quarterbacks can have a favorite receivers, but still. I mean, a guy comes back and he's, you know, playing at a really high level. Thank goodness Earl Bennett is back. Going to upgrade our entire receiving core. And he's just, you know, hasn't slowly disappeared, just flat out disappeared. Missing persons list. Look for him in the post office. And and, and this might be bad to say because it it might show what the chance the Bears have of winning the rest of the season. But I hope it's more Caleb Haney than Earl Bennett getting a $19 million yes. contract and all of a sudden being like, yep. woo-hoo, you know, what I mean? you know what I mean, Coach? Hopefully it's just uh, the X's and O's right now that aren't matching up for Martz, Haley, Haney, yep. and, and, and Bennett. Because uh, let, let's face it, Mike Martz is not as smart as everybody thinks he is. Yep. He, he's extremely smart when Kurt Warner, Orlando Pace, Marshall Falk, Isaac Holton, and uh, or Troy Holton, Isaac Bruce are around, though. Extremely smart, Coach. By the way, in, in that mode... When is the last time the Chicago Bears have tried a trick play on offense? And you, and you know what the simple thing is? they got so many basic stuff that they can run a trick play off of because they do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You really can fool somebody. Coach, when I was at Battlefield North and we ran the same eight plays over and over and over again, we'd run a trick play against a good team. It was like we'd walk into the end zone because we ran the same play over and over again. The Bears do the same thing. There's got to be some form of a trick play. Jeez. I mean, and that's been true. I mean, I think you can go back to even Ron Turner, who his last couple of years never put any kind of little gadget play, trick play, creative play. I mean, you got all this time to game plan and stuff. It's, you know, get to have, have a little fun, if nothing else, a little creativity in the offense. I can't remember. You know, and I'm not talking a reverse. I'm talking about a true trick play, something people haven't seen before. Special teams, we had one of the greatest trick plays I've ever seen. Dave oh, Taub, the mad scientist. Oh. So we got, you know, special play, uh, special teams with that fake punt. Not fake punt, but the fake fair catch by Devin Hester, right? And who ran it down the right sidelines? Johnny Knox. Johnny yeah. Knox, who I, I will admit right now, again and again, when you hit, when the football is in his hands, he's as good of a Chicago Bears as we have. The problem is he's one of the worst receivers in the NFL because he falls down <laughs> too much, can't get open. Can't, really, it's, he's got great hands. Mm-hmm. He's unbelievable with the ball. Too bad that we're not playing in the parking lot. You know, we're not playing out in the out in the street running around. You know what I'm saying? This is the NFL. You got to run with the discipline and, and too bad it's not like correctly. Not like baseball. You know, where you can get a guy on base and pinch run. Maybe you could have like the designated receiver catcher, and then quickly you bring in the guy to run with the football. I got to tell you that Matt Space seems to catch everything. Coach. Yeah, there you go. We we'll get him out there. Yeah, the age of age of <laughs> specialization. Uh, also in the world of the NF of L, Big Dog Little Residue Tuesday, picking up some of the happenings from the weekend that was in pro football. Only three weeks left, though, and get your get your playoff tickets now, folks. Um, two firings. We announced one on the air yesterday. Todd Haley fired from the Kansas City Chiefs. And since you and me have last spoke, uh, Tony Sperano, the mercurial coach of the Miami Dolphins, has been fired in uh, kind of an odd time. Three games left in the regular season. Can you... Figure out why these teams just didn't wait till game 16. Were things that bad in Miami and KC that you had to pull the string now? Maybe they know that they're, they're going to pull the string and they want to get the, a, a jump start on hiring a coordinator that's with somebody or something. I have no problem with that. If they're not going to be back next year, why just run the string out? 
I've never had a problem with uh, football coaching changes in years when the team is already eliminated from the playoffs. I've never had a problem with that, ever. That is when a team has still has a chance and they're switching. Then I mean, that's, that's really dumb, but might as well find out what you got on the roster, Coach. Mm-hmm. All right. But the, the GM should go down there and coach. They they, they had the offensive – I don't know who they – on both the situations who the interim is, but if, if you're a GM and you're willing to fire a coach midseason – why don't you go down there and finish the season out? Because you're the one who gave him the talent to get fired anyway. You're going to have the owner pay somebody else some more money to go coach a team? You're the one who put, hired the guy and put the players around him. He shouldn't be coaching there anymore. You should finish the year out and, and determine what the talent is oh, on your boy. team. I'm, I totally feel that way. I could just picture Jerry Angelo coming on the field attempting to be head coach <laughs> of an NFL team. That would not so, That would not so, go well. Um Lovey Smith would have to be caught with Virginia McCaskey in order to be fired during the season, Coach. The Bears would never, ever. The Bears could be 1-14 and and have been outscored by a million, and they would still not fire their coach in the season. I'm trying to think back. Has that ever happened? I don't know. The the only coaching changes that ever happened with the Bears midseason had to do with George Hallis going back and forth to the Navy in wars. That, mm-hmm. that would be the only reason. Okay. Yeah, well, we've had some bad coaches and some bad seasons, but I'm trying to think back, uh, like jog the memory a little bit, and I, I, can't, I can't think of an in-season firing for the Chicago Bears. And, again, we've had plenty of bad seasons, including, uh, if myself and Doug Buffon both remember correctly, a 1-15 season back in the day. Yeah, Gibron, Gibron, Armstrong, Dicka, Jerron, Wanstead, all fired after the season. Neil so, Armstrong. Yeah, that, that's the Armstrong, that guy. Ooh, that guy. Jack Pardee. I mean, Definitely we, fired in season. We've, so talked, I, I we, season. we've talked about it before, but uh, the great machismo franchise that is the Chicago Bears have had some real milk toast coaches over the years. I'm not sure I'm putting Lovey Smith in that category. He kind of he floats a little bit sometimes from strong toughness, but at times there's the, uh, the milk toast quietness and uninspiringness about him too. But, boy, guys like... Neil Armstrong and Jack Pardee and, well, Abe Gibran you couldn't put in that category. He was colorful, just yeah, not, not very effective as a head coach. He was, yeah, more buffoonish. Yeah. yeah. Like, Abe Gibran's a guy who you might hold in your high school head coach. I don't know about that fellow. Mm-hmm. He was funny, though. Oh, Mike yeah. Duff, one of the best guys on the sideline when Mike Duff. Just, he's like, hey, what quarter is it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know, where are the Raiders from? They're Oakland, right? You know what I'm saying? It's good. It was always good having him on the sideline. Team was extremely unorganized, but in the uh, locker room after the game, the uh, the buffet food was impeccably laid out. It was on time every time. Their uh, their post game meals were probably the strength of the team back in the day. Big dog. <laughs> All right. Any other uh, NFL news and notes, musings from over the weekend? We got lots to talk about here. Big Dog and the coach. Again, our phone lines are open, 888-463-6748. I want to get to a Big Dog Facebook posting, which I came across. But David Olson, uh, producer extraordinaire, other side of the glass. Well, yeah, there are those rumors swirling uh-huh. around that Jerry Angelo is going to retire. Yes. Yes, have you, you seen those, Big Dog? I, I, you know what? I'm going to be one of the few people that will give Jerry Angelo a little bit of appreciation. Not a lot. People have hated him. He's done a, a – he's worked his butt off, and if he could have just picked some good picks in the first round, he, he, we'd, maybe he would have won the Super Bowl. 
So it's uh, yeah. I, I'm not as, I'm not as big a Jerry Angelo hater as it seems like every other Bears fan is because when you consider his third through seventh and free agent pickups, besides wide receiver, he is he continues to get us defensive linemen, cornerbacks year in year out. And it just if somehow the guy could have ever got a freaking wide receiver over the last ten years. The Bears could have possibly won some more games. I, I got three comments on that. One, I think some of the flack for Jerry Angela, some of it is actual, you know, drafting and personnel ability. Some of it is just his look and demeanor. Do you think he comes off as like a feminine too? A little I bit. I don't even know if bit. feminine is the right word. Slightly annoying, a little bit weaselly. It's a horrible thing to say, but so I think part of it. Yeah, yeah, no, you're, no, you're right. He is. Yes, you. Can, I can't get too much during because you're right. Every time I see him on TV and stuff afterwards, I'm not comfortable actually endorsing him. Yeah, just, why do you say that? Coach? Doesn't have that natural likability. That should not affect uh-huh. our decision on how he's doing the job. But we're all human, and you know, it is natural and it does. Number two, I think the rumors that David Olson are talking about, I think they're true, based on the way he's responding. He's not denying. He's kind of you know letting it kind of slide a little bit. My my gut is that yeah. I do think this will be the final year for Jerry Angel. He's not getting pushed out, I don't think. But I think, uh, you know, on his own accord, he will retire. I would have to say the the most demanding jobs in all of professional sports, and I, and I really truly mean this, it's either or, either one of these, either the head football coach of a NFL team or the GM of an NFL team. Mm. I mean, because if you really think about the amount of work it takes to organize, and put out onto a field, and I mean it in both terms of of, of what of both positions, of 53 men. I mean, in an NFL schedule, it's unbelievable. The, the GM of a basketball team, I can go right now and be a GM of an NBA team, and by the end of the year, be half as good as the other GMs in the NBA. There's 12 players. How many players do I need? So, okay, I got I to gotta get guys that can defend. I need guys that will play selfless. I'll need a leader. I'll need a guy that can score. I'll need a shooter off the bat. I mean, it's not, it's not that hard, Coach. You know, NFL is completely different. And so to do that job for a long time is extremely difficult is what I'm trying to say to you. It's an interesting quandary. The toughest jobs, most difficult jobs in sports. i got to think about that one. In terms of time consumption and really what you have to do. I'm not saying it's more difficult to figure out how to put a football team on than a basketball team on the court just because there's 12 players as a 53. Because all of a sudden everybody has 12 players. It's much more difficult Mm -hmm. to get those one or two players that can lead the way, if you understand what I'm saying. But the amount of work, like 53 players, I mean, it's the 24-7 job. It's got to be, Coach. We could throw that out to our uh, listeners. Toughest jobs in all of sports. You can go serious with that, or you could probably uh, go a little bit to the humorous side as well. If you want to uh, email us with that, we could take a little impromptu survey, Big Dog. I like that. i got to think about that a little bit. But based on numbers alone, you might be right because of the 53-man roster. Obviously, that's not matched by anything in basketball, hockey, or um, baseball. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, baseball does have the AAA, which you, which is pretty – that's impressive, Coach. So yeah, you, whole, you got the whole minor – if you're a GM, you uh, got to coordinate the minor league system, which you don't have to in the NFL. So some could argue baseball as well. Our email, if you want to shoot uh, shoot an email to us, is Mike2Guys at AOL.com, M-I-C, and the number 2, Mike2Guys, AOL.com. I, I just thought of the most specific, most difficult job in all the sports, and that would be the – Sports psychologist for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I think you're going to say wide receiver coach, Chicago Bear. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. oh 
but please, not right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, and again, phone number here, 888-463-6748 if you want to check it. By the way, a quick football note of the collegiate variety. I mentioned to bring this up yesterday. Two teams that will be playing for a championship this coming Friday, Big Dog. Two teams that are consistently near or in the championship game of the Division Three level Friday night, 14-0 Wisconsin Whitewater takes on 14-0 Mount Union from the fine state of Ohio. Those two teams and those two schools have been awfully good for awfully long, and you know how the two of us like uh, consistent levels of success. But, boy, Mount Union and Wisconsin Whitewater, both undefeated meeting for the championship on Friday night. Should be a great game. Yeah, uh, both of those schools uh, looked at me when I was at when I was playing high school football. It's funny. Bob Fry was the defensive coordinator at Mount at Mount Union. Came over to Mac Murray. So he's like, "Wow, you know, they're coaching at Mount Union. I'm coaching here at Mac Murray. Now go chase some quarterback." This game is this game is going to be phenomenal, coach. And uh, there's basically like five schools that are that win the Division Three championship, and Mount Union and Whitewater are definitely yeah. two of the five. And, it's, and, it's almost and, every year they're in it. Yeah. yeah, and not just three, five, seven, eight year. We're talking like. 15 to 20 years. Yeah, we're in the 80s. When yeah. I was deciding where to go, I was well, McMurray basically gave me a free education as a Division three football player, so I was like, you know, I'll take that. But mm-hmm. that back then, I was like, well, it, I know if I go to Whitewater or Mount Union, I'll be playing for the championship. And back then, you know, DePaul did it a lot, and Augustana. And it was Augustana and Milliken, and then those two schools when I was younger. And then now it's like Augustana and Milliken, I haven't won in years, Coach. I thought when you said those two schools were looking at you, I thought maybe you were talking about the uh, the videos that appeared back in your Downers Grove North days. I think it was Senior Prom Gone Wild. Yeah, but, but that was VCR. That... They don't. They, okay. Nobody can even see that anymore. Okay, but that's not what they were looking at. They were looking at you as, as a football player. Believe it or not, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you have to specify sometimes, Big Dog, because uh, you know with your. Semi-illustrious and semi-sorted pass. We want to make sure we apply to a specificity, if nothing else. Thank you very much. I, I don't know why they're having the game on Friday night this year. I thought it was just going to be Saturday morning at 10 a.m. like it always is. It's a little them. odd, but but then again, there's no high school football Friday night. It's um, I inquired about that, too. I thought it was a little little weird for a championship game, but you know it's, what? Not it's bad. Always, it's, always the, it's always the Amos Alonzo Stag, Stag Bowl is what they call it, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's cool. We're having on Friday night. The problem was I, I got a date this Friday night. Well, I was going to suggest, you know, glass of a fairly good red wine. Okay. Possibly some appetizers. Sit okay. down on the couch, snuggle under your favorite uh, winter blankie, and watch a little Mountain Union, Wisconsin, Whitewater. That's there are worse romantic Friday nights to spend. You know, just the just the terms Whitewater. Yeah. Mountain Union. I exactly. mean, the, the term Mountain Union. Yeah. Not bad. See? You really think about it? Now we're talking. Coach, I, I have to, you know, sometimes you can be extremely logical. Yeah. Hey, I don't hey. know if this is one of those times, and most of the time you're not, but two, sometimes you can be. Two things for you, Big Dog. You got, don't forget you got the pause button and halftime uh-huh. half time lasts 20 minutes, which I'm pretty sure at this age is probably longer than you. Uh, it's actually 12 in the NFL, 15 in college. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> 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 oh goodness! All right. Hey, by the way, you're Illinois too. I got to mention this too. As long as we're going into the end, I hate to call them obscure because that's a put down. But uh, some of the the sports that get a little bit less pub, but women's volleyball 
You're Illinois fighting Illini, my friend. Ranked number one for a good part of the season. They lost. They lost the number one ranking. But they're in the final four, big fella. Thursday and Saturday, they'll play for the championship that they win. Your beloved fighting Illini. Women's volleyball, final four. Excellent. Congratulations, ladies. I had no idea, Coach. Uh, if it isn't football this year, a lot of times I do pay attention to that stuff. I have not paid any attention to anything that isn't football outside of uh, playing basketball. Trying to well, look through my, it's uh, UCLA, surprise, surprise, when it comes to volleyball, taking on Florida State. Look at this. you got all the warm-weather teams in Illinois taking on USC. So you got Florida State, USC, UCLA, volleyball hotbeds. You can play indoor, outdoor, and then right smack in the middle of uh, farmland and winter country, the fight in Illinois. Congratulations to Illinois. That's awesome, Coach. Yep. They'll probably fire their coach and hire someone from Toledo. Yeah, uh, the same person who was in charge of uh... – of the Lewis University men's volleyball team right there. <laughs> oh, if you're not familiar with that story, quickly fill people in, Big Dog, because it was a great story at the time, one of the great Cinderella stories, and then a couple years later, Cinderella's slippers. Well, yeah, well, men's volleyball is one of those sports that you can any school can play it on the Division One level. So if you have a school of 500 people or 1,000 people, you could actually play in a Division One level. And Lewis University out of Joliet, Illinois, put together one of the, the great Cinderella runs of all time because over like a four-year period, they were consistently battling for the national championship and ended up winning it. And they had a bunch of itches on their team, players from Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, <laughs> basically the Eastern Bloc. All these guys were six, seven, could jump and smell very poorly. They ate a lot of cabbage. Well, it ends up finding that at this flight school, because at Lewis University, they teach people how to fly. None of these kids had actually passed any classes. They weren't going to school. They basically started a volleyball factory out of a school of about 1,200 people and then decided to win national yeah. championships. It's, it's really embarrassing. When you, and how bad you want to win a national title at men's volleyball. And most of those guys were, like, illegal, illegally brought into champagne, right? They didn't... Uh, Joliet. Joliet. Yeah, sorry, Joliet. Yeah, so... What well, was once a great story, and they discovered it, what, about a year or two after? Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was after they had won the title, too. It was so embarrassing. Oh, yeah, like a year after they had won uh -huh. the title, because there was all the feel-good stories and everything. You know, was, uh, well, we tried. It was amazing. I, it wasn't just like they had won one national title. They went on like a four-year run of Lewis University going to the Final Four. <laughs> yeah. In beautiful Joliet, Illinois, unfortunately, seven of their eight players grew up uh, not exactly in the Joliet surrounding area. It was not exactly the feel-good uh, story that we thought it was. Well, you could be from Yugoslavia and and uh, participate in NCAA athletics. It's yes. not that you have to live around Joliet. It was the fact that uh, they were, you know. They weren't in this country illegally. They really hadn't taken any classes. Uh, mm -hmm. They didn't have any credits to get into the school in the first place. And they couldn't let them fly planes because they were on FBI watch lists and stuff like that. It was, <laughs> it was I think that last part you're making up, but it adds uh, a little bit of seasoning to the story. Nicely done. Big... It's a flight school, you know that. It's a flight school. Coach. I was not aware of that. that. That's why I keep on bringing the flying up. Ah. So it was really bad. They shouldn't have had these guys messing around. It's like the story is a lot worse than you might think. By the way, they you know they say flying is the second greatest thrill known to man. You know what okay. the first is? I'm afraid I probably haven't experienced it. Landing. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, also on Illinois, and I, I hope I'm wrong. 
Because you know I'm an Illinois sub. I mean, I root for Northwestern first, but I'm an alumni of Illinois, and I do root for our beloved Fighting Illini. Maybe not as hard and as um, heartfelt as I should. I feel a little bit bad about it, but I still root for Illinois. New football coach coming in. Tim, don't call me Todd Beckman. I don't know why I want to keep calling this guy Todd. Somewhere there is a Todd Beckman, I'm assuming, Big Doug. I would, I, I assume so, and I'm pretty sure he played quarterback for Ohio State a few years ago. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. But this guy's name is Tim Beckman. He came from Toledo. And I'm hoping it works out good, but I'm not getting good early vibe. And the, and the thing that keeps popping up with me is Rich Rod. Rich Rodriguez coming over from West Virginia, young guy, theoretically charismatic, successful with the program, moving over to the Big Ten, and very early on you could just feel that it was not a good fit. And there's something about this Timmy Beckman guy. And I, again, I hope I'm completely wrong, but I, I just feel like we possibly could be in for a rerun of Rich Rod, which would not be a good thing for Champagne. No, no, that would not be good whatsoever. Do you, you don't have any of those uh, similar itchings as I do? I have not been happy. Now, the things that I'm a you little what? bit worried about, I, I haven't been happy. I, I, so I have those feelings. I'm a little worried that he bails out on his team in the first place. Finish off your season with Toledo. Yep, I, that but, didn't again, sound I also know Illinois wanted a coach in place right now to coach these guys up for the bowl. Right? I mean, Beckman's in. He's going to coach Illinois in the bowl game, right? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't think so. Then why did we were in such a rush to uh, hire a that, freaking coach then? That part is part of what gives me those little... Uh uncomfortable goosebumps on my epidermis. It just doesn't feel just, right. And, and the part you had mentioned, how he left his team, you know, it, it just seems like he was so anxious to jump to Illinois, he did not handle well leaving his ball club. Hey, coach your team through the playoffs. She probably should have stayed for one more year and seen his first recruiting class go all the way through, but he left so abruptly to go to Illinois. I don't think he handled it well. And I, just part of what just, and again, I don't know what, a whole lot about it. It's more on feel and on hunch, but it's not passing the smell test right now. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's funny as I didn't want Kevin Sumlin of Houston. I didn't want that. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just I have a bad feeling, but I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. So mm-hmm. I'm just doing keep my fingers crossed because uh, that's the only option we have at this point. You know what I mean? I don't want to be bashed on the guy too much. I don't know enough about him really to to sit here and bash. And and you're right. There's so. It, it, I, I haven't had a good feeling at the beginning of it either, Coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we will see how it comes out. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a Coach right up until 11 o'clock. We do it Monday through Friday, five days a week, one hour a day, five. In total, Big Dog, I was uh, checking out our uh, two guys at a mic webpage, and I did come across one of your Facebook musings and uh, notings, and it appeared you have a video on there. I was not able to plug in the video, but what might we see? On the Big Dog's Facebook page. Oh well, I have. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I did post a couple different videos over the last couple of days. One of them is uh, the new intro to uh, America's Most Wild Deadbeats, the one where I'm chasing down uh, deadbeat parents across the country, mm-hmm. and uh, that's so we got that. And another one is just like this little excerpt of one of the guys that's trying to be one of my co-hosts on the show named Jason Rosenberg. Okay. And there's a little bit of highlight of uh, somebody trying to attack me in a McDonald's parking lot on there. Just a, a little quick one. Was I don't that, know if, you saw, if that was the one that you saw. But was the attack, were, attack on the big dog, was that staged or for real? Uh, it was it was for real, but don't worry, Coach. I was, I was able to. I, really? 
Yeah. So somebody's filming and you're on film and somebody from the McDonald's tries to attack you from behind? No, it wasn't a McDonald's and it wasn't from behind. It was at a McDonald's. He didn't ah. work at the McDonald's. Okay. Okay. He was there with his girlfriend and I was there with the the girlfriend, her husband. And <laughs> confronting them about the fact that she hadn't been home in like three weeks and the the husband was working like two jobs and she was out not working and basically sleeping at this dude's house and spending okay. money on him while this guy was raising the kid. And by sheer so coincidence, we, you meet up at the McDonald's. Oh no, we had a, no, we we had a, we found the guy told us where the guy where they would be. It was confirmed, and Idris and I went out there. We went out with my boy Joe Newcomb, who was our bodyguard. And next thing you know, the fight broke out. I didn't get hit or anything. I got mm-hmm. like guy tried to kick me. And was this part of a filming for the television show, or this was part of your uh, somewhat dilapidated personal life? No, this is my, my personal life. Is ah, really, okay. Really strong. Right. Okay. <laughs> that might have been good for the TV coverage. That might have been good for ratings. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. It could have possibly. Well, I, I've yeah. always said, David Olsa, I always said somebody could have the least expensive, most financially feasible hit TV show ever. All you got to do is just hire one guy to follow Joel around 24 hours a day, maybe even in his sleep. Who knows? <laughs> and I guarantee with what happens for you in a week, if you want to edit it and do a half an hour, it would be a hit situation, not situation comedy, but it would be a hit TV show in a very short time, Big Dog. Well, yeah, it's, it's got it's, that better happen to me soon because I'm only going to be young for so much longer. Oh, I, I only have, got about like four or five more years of being young coach. Well, I have complete confidence that even in your middle age, you'll still do things entertaining. It might not be, uh, it'll be an entertainment of a different sort. But I still think even in your senior citizen years, Big Dog, the, the, the show, and I would title it Joel, with a handheld you know, camera, so it's got little little black and white footage, kind of old school. But I, I would argue that uh, there'll be plenty of entertaining things along the way, even into senior citizenhood. Don't kid yourself. Okay, but it's usually that's much more entertaining when I'm single, though, Coach. Probably, probably. But I, I have confidence you'll find yourself ways to get in uh, trouble and other interesting <laughs> venues in your later years. You're already doing that. You're not exactly a young kid at this point. I guess you do have a yeah. a, a, a point, Coach. Yeah. You also put up pictures, uh, and I think one of your responders accurately describes something to the effect that now you've rendered me useless for the rest of the day. But you did put up some uh, very alluring pictures of uh, your female friend, Lily the Lilac, which um, is very distracting, Big Doug, to say the least. Well, I, those aren't alluring. She's completely dressed. And she was, it was pretty cool because she was in, like I was saying, Taipei. So she's like, Joel, I took some pictures for you. So she sent me about 200 of them. I, I pulled out a couple and put them on there. Yeah, there's uh, she's she's a very attractive girl, coach. Is the best way I can tell you. I don't know. I have no other way to say it, but I'm pretty freaking lucky. So very photogenic. Yeah. All right, but things to, everything's good. Uh, things are still on the uh, up and up. Oh, ex- extremely on the up Beautiful. and up, coach. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, if, if things go wrong now, or if there's problems, let us be the first to know. Many of our listeners, of course, can send in suggestions. We are. Uh, you know, in the relationship repair business here, Big Doug. If sports world gets a little boring, we can always uh, work on your social life. So let us be the first to know if it needs a little help. Uh, I will let everyone know. And, yes, and I would need help, too. And I'd want it. 
right. Hey, speaking of needing help, we didn't get into it yesterday. It's Residue Tuesday, another quick sports note that we haven't talked much about. I think you dabbled on it yesterday, but let's talk the National League Most Valuable Player, Ryan Braun, and steroid testosterone testing. Uh, unbelievably high levels, suspended for 50 games. Again, on hunch and instinct alone, Big Dog, I think maybe something went wrong with the test. I'm going to say innocent till proven guilty, especially in the case of Ryan Braun. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, you can you can say that. I have no problem with that feeling for you because, you know, it is the United States of America, and even people like Jerry Sandusky should get, you know, guilt. I mean, innocent till proven guilty. But i got to be quite honest with you, Coach. We, what, what there's... I don't know how many people have been tested positive since we started doing this. Mm-hmm. Not one test ever went wrong. Okay? And just because when he took the test right back afterwards, it was fine. That doesn't mean he couldn't have taken something that cleared him up. So um, I don't want to indict the kid just yet, but I will tell you this. If he was taking performance-enhancing drugs, they need to take his MVP away from him immediately. Okay? Immediately. And hand it to Matt Kemp, who should have got it in the first place anyways. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. There, there are people that would disagree with that. Well, I, we don't. They don't know what's going to happen now. There's that's like up in the air. So I mean, to this point, you know, Jason Giambi should have handed his MVP back to Frank Thomas. There should have been a bunch of people who've done that. So mm-hmm. okay, well, that'll be a developing story. Any idea when uh, we find out exactly? I mean, is this suspension for sure? Or this is still kind of a developing so story, to- right? <laughs> So, yeah, they went through the appeal, and Major League Baseball says, you know what, bring in your people, bring in our people, and we'll and we will uh, look into the test. They're like, we have no problem with that. They, they, they want to make sure they get it right. The, the Major League Baseball is doing this correctly. It's the offseason. They're like, Let's, okay, so you're going to have to prove that this is wrong, so we're going to go let you do another hearing, and we'll see what happens. Okay. And, they, and they also want to know why that the second test came up negative when the first one came up positive. So they're going to try to see if they can if. If he masked or did something for the second one, Coach, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. That's, I mean, that's like, like, see, like, we'll suspend him again. He'll get, like, 100 games or something. That Seriously. Would, that would be like adding a little uh, spicy salt to the wound. And, uh-huh. and, again, we're talking Ryan Braun. It's just, I don't know. Obviously, he doesn't have the look of the typical steroid user. But, then again, this test was not necessarily for steroids, was it? Coach, was- there are many, many fast-twitch steroids. That make you a better baseball player that don't, that don't bulk you yeah. up. Okay, and and most steroids do bulk you up, but these guys are so into it now. You, it, it's you know, it's better sometimes you know to be more like you're you're going to get bigger, you're going to get more muscles if you take steroids, but you don't want to maybe Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa. You don't want to turn from being normal mm-hmm. to being like your head popping out of your helmet and your shoulders busting out. But your head will grow no matter what, by the way. You are going to get a larger chin and a larger mm-hmm. forehead if you're doing steroids. There's really yeah, you do you do look at the eyes and the look and the stare of Orion Braun. It was always kind of weird, right? He's got those. I, I, you know, it's funny that you said that because I would I would tell my buddies, I was like, you know, I bet you he, like, he parties and does cocaine and stuff. I would say that to my friends. Mm-hmm. That I thought he was like a cocaine-drinking like uh, like like a Theo Fleury type, you know. Not to rip on Theo Fleury, bring him up for no reason, but he always looked like he was. He's never shaven. Looks like Lou Pinella. Uh, hey, what city am I in? Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> by the way, speaking of the uh, 
the beloved Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know if you saw or not, but your uh, Chicago Cub third baseman, longtime guy, Ramos Ramirez, makes it official. He's leaving the Cubs, signs with the Milwaukee Brewers, right in the same division, our tribal team. Three years, $36 million, Aramis departs the Cubs, big dog. I know, um, well, you're probably not too emotional about that. No, 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 no. Well, so you give the Cubs a, a pretty good run. He was the best third baseman since Santo. And yep. there was a lot of things about him that are just, there was a lot of times lack of effort. And when that happens, it's very difficult to really like a guy. So I will say this, the guy, up until the last year and a half, or that year and a half that he was bad, mm-hmm. he had, ended up having a really good year at the end of the year statistically, not in actuality. Uh, but he for the first six, seven years as a Cub, he was an RBI machine coach. Yep. He was the, the type of guy when he got two strikes and was running right second, he would shorten a swing up and get a blue double on yep. the right field. You know what That's I mean? Great point, because so, pe- people forget that, because the last two years, especially when it counted, that changed. So our image of him is a little bit of that, not hitting in the clutch, not hitting when it counts. But you're right. First six years, he was – I remember talking on our airways. I would say he's one of the top ten batters in baseball I would not want to see with runners on base and two strikes. All these guys were on the team at the time. Sosa, Alou, Ramirez, who would you want up in a clutch situation? Aramis. Yeah, there's no doubt. Everybody else so, – Sosa and Moises Alou uh, and Aramis would have definitely been the guy. So as much as – yeah, and I will tell you this, is he, even though he – jogged the first base way too often, he ended up, he actually did work, and he went from being a horrible defensive third baseman to a pretty good defensive third baseman by the end. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, not too much bashing on Aramis, but the Brewers are spending $12 million, million a year on Aramis Ramirez, but they're not going to spend $18 million a year on Prince Fielder. It's interesting yeah, and they, put, they, gave, they gave all this money to Ryan Braun. And uh oh, guess what? He might be a well, steroid user. But Aramis was for three years. So Prince Fielder, I would assume you've got to sign for more than three years at this point. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, how about this? The end of the best way for me to put it is this way: is if you give uh, Prince Fielder an eight-year deal and you give Aramis Ramirez a three-year deal, at the end of each particular deal, Aramis Ramirez would be older than Prince Fielder would be. So that's see what I'm getting at, Coach. Yeah, puts things in perspective. Yeah, so I mean, he's uh, Aramis Ramirez is 35, and Prince Fielder is 27, or maybe Aramis Ramirez is 36. So he's you know he's up there, Coach. He mm-hmm. he broke in with the Pirates in 1998. So Aramis Ramirez is no spring chicken right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, three years, 36 million. That's about right. I mean, it's yeah, we, uh, you know, in this day and age of salaries, you're so you're almost immune to the ridiculousness of the highness of the price. So when I say it's about right, it's in comparison to all the other ridiculous salaries out there. But It's in, a little more than he should make, Coach, but there's not a lot of third baseman. So he got a little bit more money than he deserved. And, and, and he still, you got, what, 93 RBIs out of him, right? Yeah, and is it on a team that did not score a lot of runs last year. Yeah. If you if you bat him, behind, you have to bat somebody behind Ryan Braun. Let's face it. You know what I mean? Are you, what are you going to have? Uh, you know, Unesky Betancourt batting behind Ryan Braun. That's you know he's batting sixth in the lineup. You can't have him bat fifth. So you got to you got if you're going to have somebody that good in your lineup, you got to you got to protect them. It's as simple as that. Final topic of the day. Running out of time here. One hour show. Big dog and a coach. Two guys at a mic. Talkzone.com. Uh, phone lines are open at eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Got an email coming in. Big dog from Football Freddy from Frankfurt. Football Freddy wants to know, it's hard to believe, but I guess the college bowl season opens this Friday. 
Yeah. He wants to know, ask the big dog, is apparently he's going to put some uh, cashola out on the line here. Wyoming and Temple kick it off this Friday in the Gildan New Mexico Bowl football. Freddie from Frankfurt wants to know, big dog, Wyoming, Temple, or pass? Uh, without question, Temple's going to put a beat down on Wyoming. I, I, I want to show Coach, I, I do my research on, on all that's, this stuff. That's why football Temple, Freddie from Frankfurt is emailing uh, Temple has a phenomenal running back coach, and it's a really, really bad matchup. Wyoming has uh, the 107th-ranked rush defense in the country. Temple has the third-ranked rusher in the country, and they have a very good uh, defense. Temple's going to win this game like 31-5. to Just out of curiosity, where did that knowledge – we didn't prompt you with this question, but you just pulled out the 107th-ranked defense in the country. Uh, that, that was – Common knowledge in the in the in the Radwanski brainage. Uh, okay, I told you yesterday I got nothing accomplished. Well, nothing <laughs> productive. I uh, yesterday I was I was so incapacitated from the amount of Taiwanese beer that I drank the night before. <laughs> yes, and and smeared off. And I'm not kidding you. I got T-boned. I got so drunk on Sunday after the Bears game. I was so disgusted. I'm not I'm, that I couldn't do anything yesterday. And I made all my bowl predictions and I went through all the games. I knew I was going to take Temple big over Wyoming anyway. I'm doing my confidence pool. So if you guys want to get in that, David, uh, I'll send that out to you. Um, yeah, Temple, that's that's one of the few games. I, so it's the first game. It, it, I would put – there's. you know how you do the confidence, Coach, where you go yep, one through yep. 35? Oh, yeah. I would put like 33 or 34 Oof. on this if it wasn't the first game. Honestly. Wow. The, the positive of that is if they win, you're off to a great start. you got 34 in the bank. The negative, of course – is in the very first game, the dreaded Gildan New Mexico Bowl, you could be almost out of the running to win the big prize. Yeah, that's why I'm only going to put like 23 on yeah. it. So that's, I shouldn't pick that way. I really should pick what I think is going to happen. So when they're winning 31 to nothing in the third quarter, I'm going to be upset I'm only winning 23 points. Now, football Freddie from Frankfurt uh, follows up with an email. Please ask Joel, did he make his college football picks and then get Schmiernoft? Or did you get Schmiernoft and then make your football picks? I think he wants to know. Uh, just to let you know, I made all my picks of the game uh, last week, and I did my point totals yesterday, but ah. I can't figure out actually do the point total on this freaking computer. So it still actually isn't done. You really have them all written down. But I think more importantly, you're, what you're implying is that you got Schmirnoff after making your college football picks. The actual picks, but not the point totals. For transcripts of today's show, people can write David Olson here at the uh, TalkZone.com. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if anybody's ever requested transcripts of one of our shows, Big Doug. You think so? Uh, they have, Coach. Yeah, probably and, uh, Probably like your pro- your probation has, officer is probably written in. The, the FBI has found them. <laughs> they take care of them. Just our luck. We're hoping, you know, some fans, you know, have found the show enlightening and entertaining one of the transcripts. The only ones are probation officer, security guard, and uh, your IRS tax agent. Uh, I got a couple of those, Coach. Story of our life, big dog story. But things are pointing upward, my friend. Yes, they are. We are we are going to reach the top of the mountain before it's over. Somehow, somewhat. I'm not quite sure. Somebody once said it. How did I get, you know, at my age, I've suddenly become over the hill? Well, how did I get over the hill without first reaching the top of it? That's what I'm trying to figure out. That's a, that's a really good question. Yes. Or, or maybe the hill that you climbed wasn't really that significant, and, and you shouldn't be that proud of your accomplishment. Oh, wow. 
Not that's you a, in particular. Not you in particular, okay. but somebody who actually has that feeling. That's a depressing and disheartening thought. What other uh, bowl games coming up just to get us juiced up a little bit? The New Mexico Bowl. Is there any others uh, this weekend, Big Dog? Oh, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a couple decent bowls this weekend. Uh, what they got? Uh, Florida International is uh, taking on, uh, let, let me see, uh, who are they playing? That's actually a decent game. They're playing at SMU. That's going to end up being a decent game, Coach. All right, so this weekend we will be, uh, we got Friday and Saturday, we will have college football bowl games for us, huh? Yeah, and, and let's, it's, 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 they're not all that great. These aren't even, a lot of these aren't even conference champions of smaller conferences. So there's mm-hmm. not a, a lot. We got the Kraft Cure Hunger Bowl, which has Illinois and, and UCLA, and then everybody's really excited about that. But I, I gotta tell you, after Christmas, coach, there are so many great matchups. There are so many good bowls out there. Like before Christmas, we got Boise State taking on Arizona State, and they might score seventy points. Yeah, that's that, what a disappointing matchup for Boise State. That's a definitive injustice. Yeah, it is. It is. I know there's bowl tie-ins and everything, but you can't have Boise State playing in games against garbage teams and bowls anymore. It's not fair to them. Yeah, okay, people was- took Boise State for granted this year, similar to like we were talking earlier in the show about the Pittsburgh Steelers taking. Greatness for granted. You never want to do that. Correct me if I'm wrong, dog. They went what ten and one. They went eleven and one. Their only loss is to a very good TCU yeah. team. And by the way, you know, it's, I'm glad you brought it up because yesterday you were telling me about all this great field goal kicking, and I, I agreed with you about Matt Pratter. So I remember about a month ago you were on these airwaves complaining that this is the worst field goal kicking you've ever seen in the history of football. Do you remember that? And that we were talking yep. about the Boise State guy because there was like a three week period where. Like, I feel like field goal kickers were hitting at 50% around the world, and every single game winner was missed mm-hmm. for like three weeks. So, yeah, that, they're a missed field goal, a 27-yard field goal away from being in a BCS bowl right now. Coach. Don't rub it in. Don't rub it in. Our friends in Boise State. Big Doe, we got to wrap it up. Great show today. Tomorrow we'll do a little seek and ye shall find, okay? Get off the sports page a little bit and jump around and have some fun. Sounds good. All right, behave yourself, and remember, Big Dog, my uh, words of advice for you today, you still there? Mm Mm-hmm. Abstinence should only be practiced in moderation. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. Two guys at a mic talk. We'll see you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.